It is so good to see you this morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to week five of the Fearless series. And as you know, our pastor has been teaching on fear. God has given him specific messages to help us understand fear and how to conquer fear. You see, there are two types of fears that we learned about early in the Fearless series. One of those types of fear is called a holy fear. That's actually a good fear because it's the reverence or revering God. It's lifting up God. It's making him first in our lives. It's the type of fear that draws us closer to God, where we want to just give him our all. We want to serve him. That holy fear, that reverent fear, is a good fear. But then there's this unholy fear, and that's the fear that draws us away from God. It's the fear that, the world wants to tell us that, you know what? You're foolish for following God. There is no God. You really, you know, you, you, you Christians, you, you really shouldn't do that because your God doesn't exist. They try to convince us that God is dead, which is a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? And the unholy fear... The world wants us to bow down to it. The world wants us to serve the evil one. The world wants us to look at man and do the things that man wants us to do. And that is not a good fear. That's an unholy fear. And so in today's teaching, we are going to talk about the fear of man. Week five is the fear of man. And in preparation for this message, I don't know if you're part of a fearless community group, but they have been awesome. I mean, awesome. And it's been a blessing to sit with your sisters and brothers and to share some of the things that are on your heart and the fears that you've had to deal with for years and to just kind of get them out and to share them and for the brothers and sisters to pray over each other. And just by sharing those fears, we're defeating them because we're not holding on to them. And we're getting them out of us. And we're allowing the word of God to be applied. And we're seeing those fears, those yokes destroyed and those burdens removed. And that's what God wants to do. Because he's a yoke destroying, a burden removing God, the God that we serve. Yeah, I'm getting whipped up. It's early. <laughs> Hold me down now. I need to teach. Amen, God. Hallelujah. Okay. So I looked at this video for week five, and there was a sound bite in that video, and it said, we become a slave to whatever we fear. And therefore, when we fear people, we become slaves to their opinions. We then give them control over our lives. We then make them our masters. And that's not what God wants. He does not want us 
to give man control over our lives. See, we can't be God pleasers and people pleasers at the same time. It just won't happen. We have to decide either we're going to live for God or if we're not pleasing people, there's no pleasing people. There's just no pleasing people. I don't know about your experiences, but I used to try to do that. And ultimately, it just never works. But when we please God and we satisfy God and we obey God, there's such a blessing in that. There's such, there's such peace in that. And that's what God wants for us. And so the Apostle Paul, he writes this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And he's writing to the Thessalonians. And he's affirming the validity of his ministry. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 4, You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Well, that letter was written thousands of years ago, but it still holds true today. We were created to be messengers. If we know Jesus as Lord, we were created to be messengers of the gospel. And are we going to suffer some persecution? Yes. It comes with the walk. It just comes with the walk. But the good news is that regardless of the persecution that we face, if we stick to what we believe and we stand on God's word and we don't shrink back, God's going to take us through those trials. And because of our faithfulness to God, he will use us mightily and many will be saved. We were not put into this world as Christians to be conformed by it, but to be a light unto the world. We are the light. There are some people that will never step foot in a church, but they will look at you. They will watch you on your job. They will look at you in whatever environment, and they will look at how you conduct yourself. They will look at what you speak and say. They will look at how you treat people. They will look at how you react to adverse situations. That will be the testimony that you give them, is in how you respond. That's the testimony for them to see, a living epistle of God. And so we, as messengers of Christ, yeah, it gets rough. It gets rough, but our purpose is to please God and obey him and not man. So how do we get this courage? How do we get this courage to stand for what we believe? 
How do we get this courage to be consistent in our walk with the Lord when the enemy's trying to bombard us with all kinds of things, with doubt, anxiety, sicknesses, attacks on our families, attacks on our finances? How do we get this courage? That's a question that I used to ask in my walk as a Christian, but as I started to grow in my walk with the Lord, he showed me this scripture that I've seen over and over and over again, but he gave me new insight to this scripture, and I want to share it with you. It's in Mark 12, 28, and 31. It says, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The answer lies in giving God our all. He wants all of our heart. He wants all of our soul. He wants all of our strength. He wants all of our mind. He wants it all. And so he wants to consume us, consume us with him. And when he consumes us with him, we don't have time to focus on man. We don't have time to look at the adversity. Because when we give God our all, we replace the focus with him and not on the world and not with our circumstances. When we get so consumed with him, Yes, things will come up against us. They will, because that's the way it is. But no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And when we're consumed with him, when we've given him our all, it will give us courage. It gives us courage. It gives us courage. Now, at one time in my walk, I had to ask myself, are you giving God your all? And the answer was no. If I had to ask, the answer was no. Then I had to ask the second question. Do you want, Celeste, to give God your all? And the answer was, yes, Lord. I love you so much. I love you. I'd fallen so deeply in love with God. That he meant everything to me. Everything. He meant more than my family who I loved. He meant more than everything. My job. He meant more to me than even my life. I fell that deeply in love. But the third question I had to answer was this. What would happen if I give God my all? What would happen? 
What would happen if I decided to live a life for the Lord and not be afraid and do the things that he's called me to do? What would happen? Well, I'm still finding out. I'm still finding out because I'm trying to give God my best. I'm trying to give God my all. Do I make mistakes and sometimes I fail? Yeah, I've made mistakes. Do I get back up and try again? Yeah, I do. I just keep going at it and keep going at it and keep going at it and keep going at it because I've got a one-track mind, and that mind is on Jesus, and that mind is on doing the things that God has called us to do. And he wants you, all of you, he wants all of us, he wants all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. He wants it all. And so the Lord showed me examples. He showed me examples of what happens when we give our all. First of all, giving our all to God gives us the courage to get out of the boat of mediocrity. Let's go to Matthew 14, 25 and 31. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? See, when people look at that scripture, sometimes they just look at the fact that Peter was sinking. But I don't look at it that way. I look at it that Peter had the courage to get out of the boat. Of all the disciples that were in the boat, he decided, you know what, I'm breaking rank. Y'all can stay up in here if you want to. Okay. Because my Lord has called me. My Lord said, come. And I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to step out. Yeah, I'm afraid. But I'm stepping out because my focus is on Jesus. And right now, I want to do what Jesus is doing. I want to walk on the water. I want to go to him. He has beckoned me to come. And I'm going to go. And I'm going to walk on this water. And you know he did. So giving God our all. It gets us out of the boat of mediocrity. We no longer want to do what others do. We want to do what God wants us to do. And so here's the good news. Even though, even though Peter started to sink, what really struck me on this scripture is Jesus immediately, immediately put out his hand to save him. And so that's a message to us. Radiant Church, that if we will have the courage to get out of the boat, if we will dare to live the lives that God has called us to live, 
if we will follow his purpose and his plan for our lives, if we will do that and not pay attention to what the world is saying or the naysayers are saying or the chaos and the confusion that exists in this society right now, if we will dare to give God our all and get out the boat, we will do things that we never thought we could ever do. We will do the things he will use us to perform miracles. And that's our God. Peter was an average guy. I mean, he's a fisherman, right? I mean, but he's walking on water because he has the faith to get out of the boat. Amen? Amen. And so we thank you, Lord, that you, you are always with us. You have promised to never leave us, and you have promised to never forsake us. So giving all, all to God gives us the courage to face the fiery furnaces of opposition that comes from pleasing God and not man. So let me set this up before we show the scripture. In Daniel 3, we have the story of Nebuchadnezzar. You know the story. It's quite a familiar story, but I love it. I love this story. And it's about a king of Babylon, and he's a Chaldean. And he has, he has defeated Judah. He has destroyed the temple, and he's almost destroyed all of Jerusalem. And he has taken the Jews captive. And what Nebuchadnezzar decides to do is to build this huge golden statue. And he brings in all the dignitaries of the land, the rulers, the counselors, the governors, um, the treasurers, and he dedicates, he has a dedication ceremony for this big statue. And he decrees that everyone has to bow down to this statue at the sound of certain musical instruments. They must bow down to this golden statue. And so people do that. They obey the king, except, except the Chaldeans are looking at these three Hebrew boys that will not bow down, and they tell Nebuchadnezzar this. Now, if you don't bow down, you're going to be destroyed by the fiery furnace. That's the threat of death. If you don't obey, you're going to be thrown into this fiery furnace. So let's pick up on Daniel 3.13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him when they were brought in. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will res rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never 
Let me say that again. Never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. What gives three young Hebrew boys who are over the affairs of Nebuchadnezzar the courage, the courage, the courage to say to the king, we will not bow down. I believe it's because they had committed their hearts, their souls, their minds, and their strength, their all to the Lord, and that they said, no matter what happens, no matter what we suffer, no matter what we have to go through, no matter what the persecution is, we're not going to bow down. And so, as you know, the story goes, they were bound up and tied. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, which was turned up seven times higher than it normally was. And the soldiers who even threw them in were killed because of the intensity of the heat. But as Nebuchadnezzar looked in that furnace, what did he see? Not just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but a fourth person. And they said his image was like the Son of God. You see, God was with them in their adversity. God was with them in their persecution. God was with them because he will never forsake us and he will never leave us. That is his promise to us. I believe it and I know you believe it because he has taken us through so many trials and tribulations and he's been faithful to us. And so those three boys, they stood their ground and they would not bow down. You know what the good news is, is this. Not only were they delivered, but when they came out of the fire, there was no smoke, their hair was not singed, they were all in one piece, and not only was it okay for them to worship their God, Nebuchadnezzar had to put out a new decree that all the people in the land and all the nations of all languages could not talk against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if they did, they would be cut and torn to pieces and their homes would be destroyed. And on top of that, the three Hebrew boys got a promotion. Now, I don't know if you want to do that to get a job promotion. That's pretty severe. But they got promoted by Nebuchadnezzar. So if we will stand our ground, people will see the God that we serve. Because Nebuchadnezzar knew that no other God but the only living God could save them. Hallelujah. So having the courage, they're just like any one of us. They were probably fearful, but their mind, their hearts, their souls, their strength, they had decided, God, you get it all. You get it all. You get it all. And so giving our all gives us the courage to trust God to guide our footsteps in uncharted territory. Suppose tomorrow morning you got a knock at the door and the Steffens were told it's time to move, just pack up, go. Don't know where you're going to go, but it's the Lord talking to you. We just want you to go. I want you to go, just to follow me. You'll camp by night under the stars 
but you're going to follow me. And I'll tell you eventually where I'm going to take you. If you will have this faith, just follow me. I mean, how many folks would do that? I believe the Stephens would. I believe that. That they would leave out and say, God, we're going to trust you, okay, to guide our footsteps in uncharted territory, taking us places we've never been before. And many of you that are sitting in here right now, God is waiting on you right now at this very moment to say, yes, Lord, I will step out and do something that you have charged me to do. I've been avoiding it because I'm scared, but I'll go. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. Because when you take that first step, he's going to be right with you all the way. But he's looking for that first step because that's a step of faith. That's a step that says, I trust you. That's a step that says, you have my all, God. I'm not sure about certain things, but it's going to work out because you are in control. You are my God, and I know you're not going to leave me high and dry. And so we go to this scripture in Genesis 12 and 1, and we know the story of Abram. And the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless you, bless those who bless you, and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Because Abram was faithful, this came to pass. He and Sarah left out, and they followed God. Did they make mistakes along the way? Yeah. Did they step out on the water and sink sometime? Yeah. But God was there to grab them, their hands, and to save them. He never let them drown. And God will never let us drown. Hallelujah. He will never let us drown. And so I just have to share with you before we close out that recently God has been taking me into different places that are unusual places. I don't know why exactly why he decided to take me to Eastern Michigan's football team to minister the word of God in their chapel. He took me into Concordia University this past weekend to minister the word of God to their football team in their chapel. And I sat back and I said, well, God, what are you doing? I'm in uncharted territory. These are not the familiar places that I go. And I recognized that God was showing me certain things. He's showing me that there's a generation out here that he's raising up. He's showing me that the young people that are here, even in this congregation, that he's using them. He's showing me that the college and careers group, our youth group, there are young men and young women who love God and want to serve God and that they want to give their all. He's showing me that. And recently I had a 16-year-old young woman, a 16-year-old young woman who we sat down and we agreed to pray for 10 days. And I'm going to be honest with you, I thought around day three or day four that she was going to say, oh, you know, forget this. Man, at 8 o'clock every morning, 
for 10 days, this 16-year-old woman of God prayed for Radiant Church. She prayed for the pastor and his wife. She prayed for all the congregants. She prayed for her family. She prayed for my family. She prayed for the nation. This is the next generation coming up. She gave her all to Jesus. And I'm like, whoo, whoo. This is fantastic. And not one day of those 10 days did she miss. She didn't say this is a burden. I believe she was looking forward to it. So God is raising up a generation. And so I want to encourage you today. I had another scripture, but we don't have time for that. I'm going to close out by saying this. The walk isn't easy. But we don't have to rely on our own performance. All we have to do is rely on God. All we have to do is depend on our Lord. All we have to do is obey him. All we have to do is give him our best, our best, our best. And he will do the rest. Yes, in the physical, we have to do certain things. Faith without works is dead. But if we will take that step in faith, if we will give him all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength, oh, what a wonder he is going to perform through his saints. He's already doing it. And he's spurring us on to do more, to trust him. We don't have to fear man when we are consumed with God. Because the fear has no place of man when we are so consumed with the Lord, nothing else can come in. It repels the fear of the world. And so right now, let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much, Father God. We love you so much, Lord. And we give you our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strength, Lord. They all belong to you. It is our desire, Father God, to carry out your will for each of our lives in this earth, to be a light into the darkness, Father God, to give you the glory, Father God, to see people saved, souls won for the kingdom, Father God, that none should perish, Father God. It is our desire to do that, that Radiant would be a place where people could encounter the presence of you, not through the four walls of a building, but through your body, the church, Father God, that we would express our love to those who do not know you as Lord, that we would be kind and gentle to you, that we would be your vessels, Daddy, to be used for your purpose and only your purpose, Father God. That is our desire. So, Father God, there may be people in here today that do not know you as Lord, but Romans tells us in 10 and 13 that whoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if there's any of you in here today that don't know the Lord, just call upon him. Just call out to him with your heart and say with your mouth, Lord, I want to give my life to you. And he will come right in and he will be your Lord and he will forgive your sins and he will give you eternal life. 
and he will give you a new life in him because that's what our Lord does. So on this day, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for taking care of our pastor and his wife. We thank you for their faithful service. We thank you, Father God, that he is a de dedicated and committed, Father God, vessel to you, that the word that he delivers is never twisted and never warped, that he preaches the Bible and teaches the Bible with integrity, Father God, and with a holy fear. We thank you for this congregation that is with us today, Father God, those who are partners with Radiant, those who are visitors. We pray peace over your families, health over your families, prosperity with all the fruit of the Spirit, with love and joy and peace. And we pray that over your families today because, Father God, you are our wealth. You are our richness. You are our everything, Father God. We live to obey you, to serve you, because you are such a wonderful God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.